Welcome to Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag. Hello, I'm Ajit Kara. I'm the Tag CEO for the Americas, and welcome to my happy hour. I decided to do this happy hour because, for one, I don't have a face for video. Arguably, I may not have a voice for radio, or this is podcast now, clearly. Uh, but I wanted to do a series of podcasts because I believe that what makes TAG the best place in the world to be is the people, the biggest asset that we've got. You've heard me say this many times over. And I wanted to try and explore through this series what makes folks tick, what makes them, you know, uh, who are they? How do they come to the party? And basically learn more about them because I'm always inspired by them. So welcome to my series. I hope you enjoy that and looking forward to continuing this journey with you. Today, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Kaylee Stansfield, the head of America's marketing. I'm also glad to hear that she's also from Aussie. I'm looking forward to learning a lot more from her today. Cheers, Kaylee. Thank you. Mm-mm. Good sip. <laughs> you know I like good wine. Yeah, I know you do. So, Kaylee, I mentioned that you have a fabulous Australian accent. Whereabouts in Australia did you come from? Oh, wow. Well, I've been working on this accent for a very long time, Ajit, but thank you. I am from Perth on the west coast of Australia, which is about 11,000 miles away from New York City. How long does it actually take you to get home? Oh, my Lord. Okay, well, it's a couple of plane rides. There's no direct flight. It is a minimum of about 27 hours. That's the quickest and I would usually go either east or west. It doesn't matter. I can fly to LA and then Melbourne, Sydney, and then on to Perth, or I can go the other way, which is typically Dubai direct to Perth or Singapore direct to Perth or Hong Kong direct to Perth. Wow. And how long is it between you seeing your family? And tell me a bit more about your family. Are you one of many? I am the tribe of six in total. I'm the eldest of four kids, so it's me, then my brother Sean and sister Siobhan and another sister Natasha. Three of us ended up with Irish names for a very good reason, and that's because my mum grew up in County Kerry in Ireland before she moved to uh, London to do her nursing schooling when she was a teenager. Now, Kaylee, I do know a little bit about you, and uh, I think you're quite a high-performing family. So tell me where <laughs> you fit in the hierarchy of the talent that your family has. Well, we all have different talents. I'm the only one that really pursued music, though, if that's what you're talking about. I am indeed. All righty. We all learned piano and did dance classes and all sorts of things. And in fact, when I was seven, I wanted to be a, uh, a ballet dancer, not a belly dancer, a ballet dancer. And over time, I guess my love for piano and music just accelerated. And by the time I was 18, I was playing in my first band playing keyboards, bought my first keyboard when I was about 16. It cost me a lot of money. I saved up all my McDonald's money to pay for it. And uh, yeah, played in a band, my first band for about five years as a keyboard player. And then I distinctly remember one night the band was loading out our gear. We were playing in a basement venue and I turned around and saw the drummer at the bar before me. And I thought this, no, this can't be right. Uh, I had more gear than the drummer and I thought, that is it. My keyboard career is over and I took up singing. So uh, that's where we ended up. Where for a bunch of years I was singing as well before I came to the US. 
Well, I look forward to finding time to, when we go out for tag night out, end up in some karaoke bar and testing uh, no. how good your vocals really are. No. But I was also, I asked Kaylee before and I was expecting an answer where I said, Kaylee, do you know, in your kind of music background and your connection to going down that path, have you met anyone famous? And I thought she'd say, I saw someone on a bus. And then I was astonished at how many people she's actually met. Would you mind telling me again the sort of folks that you met? Well, you know, you make it sound like I'm the person who actually knew these people, and that's not the case. Uh, I just happen to know people who know famous people, and that's how I've happened to be in the same room as these people. You know, I think famous is who's hot at the moment. So who's hot at the moment? Sarah Jessica Parker. I uh, met her a few years ago at a wow. post-Broadway opening night party. Uh, Michael B. Jordan seems to wow. be hot at the moment again. My boyfriend actually was in the same wow. film as him. He was in Creed. Gosh, who else? Uh, Alan Menken, who wrote uh, a ton of Disney yeah. musicals. Um, lots of people. It's just about wow. being in, in the same place at the same time. Actually, one of the more embarrassing stories was uh, one night I was doing a gig with my group at the time and we ended up at a bar and these guys started talking to us and they said, oh, we're from America. And we said, oh, yeah, cool. I've been there. And they said, no, literally, we are the band America. <laughs> but we were all too young to know who the heck they were Funny. and uh, had to go home and ask somebody, who's America? And then found out that, you know, they wrote The Horse With No Name and a bunch of other songs as well. So I'm intrigued. You have this fabulous musical background, connections to die for. Um, and I suspect, I mean, I've seen you do, you know, some of our videos and presenting stuff you've got a wonderful voice and a tv manner have you have you done any of that before yes no, i was also a voiceover artist although you probably can't <laughs> tell right now because i'm so out of practice but yes i did do some voiceovers i was a voice for lazy boy in uh, australia oh. for a while uh, in fact when i started doing voiceovers i was doing lessons and uh, finally got my first gig and was called to to a studio to do an audition for a television commercial. It was a shoe commercial, where they, and I practiced. You know, on the way there, I was going through lines in the green room. Of course, they don't typically give you lines before you get there, so I was just running like test scripts. And then I went into the studio, and they said, "We want you to purr like a cat." <laughs> <laughs> all this practice and all this money I'd spent on learning how to be a voiceover artist and all they wanted me to do was purr like a cat. And then I never heard anything, as is often the case when you do auditions. You don't hear if you didn't get the job, you hear if you did get the job. And then a couple of weeks later, I heard my voice on the television commercial purring like a cat while this you know girl That's crawled funny. across the floor in high heel shoes and um, and that was that. Yeah, I got the gig. Yeah, stardom. Yeah. It reminds me of my story of my, my sister. My older sister convinced my father to pay for her to go to drama school for a whole summer. And at the end of it, there was a play, which we all went expectantly to see what this uh, investment was made for. And she was a tree. Oh. <laughs> Your sound's a little bit okay. better than that. How old was she, though? Six? Oh, no, no. You're talking teenager. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Did, did she love it? Um, she thought she was great. I yeah. couldn't stop laughing for a week. Um, but uh, it's very embarrassing. That's the interesting thing about theatre, though, is that it's attractive to a lot of people because it's a place where so many people who might 
not be understood or who might be introverts or, you know, a little bit quirky, they feel so at home in that environment. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what character she played. The fact that she felt part of this group is what theatre is all about. Yeah, look, it's the ambience. And I, I, you know, have you been back to theatre since COVID? Because I, I kind of feel very deeply for the folks that, you know, there's a big career in the industry behind theatre, but yeah. it's the whole ambience when we go as a family it's just a wonderful session i mean do, yeah. do you manage to go out much uh, i haven't yet there was actually a show that i wanted to see last weekend it did a limited season but i didn't get to see it it was just too cold um, which is you know middle of february it's no surprise but um, i do plan to go soon there are a bunch of new shows opening uh, over the next couple of months that were either put on hold before covid started or the opening was put on hold so i'm really looking forward to that so I'm intrigued then. So you are an accomplished singer, an amazing pianist, uh, great voiceover talent, celebrity connections. Um, what did you actually want to be when you were a young child, <laughs> if you have all these kind of skills and gifts? You are overselling me big time, but thank you. <laughs> when I was seven, I, I mentioned I wanted to be a ballet dancer, uh, but oh, yeah. I also wanted to be uh, an ophthalmologist. I can't um, even pronounce that. I know. I think at the time I just called it an eye specialist because that seemed so much easier, but that was more to do with my familiarity with going to see eye doctors at the time because uh, I had, you know, funny eyes, yep. And um, then when I was about 14, I thought that a uh, career in law would be a really good fit for me until I realized how much reading I'd have to do. And <laughs> I quickly canceled that out. And then, you know, all I really wanted to do was music, music, music. And, um, and that was always a parallel career for me. So while I was working in um, marketing and various other things, um, I always had, to me, my real job was music and my full-time job was what paid the bills. Wow. And then how did you make the leap into marketing then? Because, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a reasonably different trajectory. Did you jump straight into marketing or did you? Uh, no, actually. My first job was in a retail bank and then I decided that I wanted to, you know, go off and be a rock star. So I took some time to pursue that for literally less than a year and my foray into marketing is, I don't actually know whether anybody knows this story. There's a handful of people that do. Uh, but my sister and I, we were playing in the same band. I was singing and she was dancing. We were like this early 90s dance troupe thing, doing kind of dance music, house music type stuff. And she and I decided that that was certainly not paying the bills, so what else could we do? And we took a job handing out flyers on the street for McDonald's. Yeah. So this is my second round with McDonald's because uh, I had a job as a teenager. I love food. <laughs> I had a job as a teenager, you know, working the drive-through for McDonald's, but this was just promotional modeling is what they call it. And I was doing a bunch of other promotional modeling through agencies and for various brands. And the owner of one of the stores pulled me aside one day and said, I really like the way you are leading this team. And I said, well, I'm not leading this team. And there was about six of us handing out flyers. And he said, I see you. I watch you. And he said, you take control of telling everybody what to do. I'm sure he meant it in the nicest possible way, but directing everyone. And he asked me whether I'd come work for him full time, that he had somebody who was doing the marketing and he wasn't that keen on that person. And so I took it. And wow. uh, yeah, the rest is history. I eventually then went on to work for uh, McDonald's corporate with my eye on the prize the whole time of working for their ad agency, which was uh, DDB Needham. And I worked with DDB for a short amount of time before they brought the McDonald's account back in house. And that's when I decided to move on. 
Well, I have two points for your McDonald's history or your career. One is a gripe and one is a compliment. Um, one, it's amazing how you can travel the world and go into McDonald's and get a very similar experience. And it's always kind of reassuring. So when I've been into some of these third party, or you know, it's a very difficult climates, and you go into McDonald's, you can feel very sure that the food is consistent. The second thing is that the fillet of fish that I love never looks like the picture. That is actually my favourite sandwich as well. <laughs> Re- legitimately, if I ever have McDonald's, I have a fillet. But, but that's because they squash it. But you know, when by the time they they put it in the uh, in the little box, it's been a little bit squashed. Yeah, you've got to talk to the the companies like you know Tag that produce these photos. Well, and I was going to say our hot plate services would make it look oh, fabulous. But yeah. but this is not about business. I'm going to sort of <laughs> you know, not not sell today. But my, my children tell a funny story that they they kind of memories of growing up when they would get their first Happy Meal, and I'm convinced that my younger daughter's first words weren't Mama or Papa, it was McDonald, you know, when she could see the big <laughs> yellow sign. And when they had oh, their yes. Happy Meal, they would play back to me later on in life that they would they would see me as a grown man obsessing about, are they going to finish their Happy Meal because I'm literally waiting to pounce on their remainder food. I was oh, looking forward to that. That's fantastic. I love it. So anyway, so after McDonald's, you moved into what? Uh, I then moved into uh, um, luxury jewellery. I worked for a diamond jeweller. Is this where you got your taste for your earrings? You always have wild earrings. Yes, but they're not diamonds, are they? Not yet. No. So I worked for a diamond jeweller for a while, did the marketing for that person. That's actually where I met my first husband. Not that I've ever had a second husband, but... There's always the potential for more. And he came in to sell something and uh, all of a sudden we're dating and married uh, and got a really good deal on a couple of diamond rings, which worked out well for both of us. I think I remember hearing this story when we were out for lunch one day. Oh, really? Uh, um, How many months from meeting to marrying did that happen? Uh, About four. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. We were married for about seven, so it worked out for a while. (laughs) You like to get things done efficiently, don't you? Obviously, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I'm all about if you know what you want, just go for it. And that was in Australia, so yeah, it was. Yeah, meet, married, divorced in a year. No, divorced. It took seven years. But oh, yes, seven yes, years. Yes, I, I thought yeah. it was seven months. Give me some credit. <laughs> <laughs> and then that could be deemed as being part of your most scariest thing. But what things have scared you during life? Because you, you, you're very active. You know, you like to go places and travel. What, what's the sort of scariest thing that you've done? Well, I mean, scary can be defined in many different ways. It could be jumping out of a plane, which I haven't done, or, right. you know, doing a bungee jump, which I have done and was incredibly scary. Um, Did you test the uh, strength of the, uh, well, the cord? This was a, a bungee jump tower that opened in Perth many years ago. And, of course, I knew the guy who was opening it and he said, come down. And, uh, you know, there were TV crews were there because it was a big news event. And I got to the top of the tower, which really, really scared me. And I said to the guys at the top, look, I've got to go back to work after this. So please don't make me hit the water because I don't want to go back to work with wet hair. And sure enough, I hit the water, ended up with two black eyes. But it was incredibly scary, exhilarating. I was on a high for about six weeks. It was incredible. But scary can also be like moving to a new country, which I did when I moved to New York. Um, I had no job, I had no friends, I had nowhere to live, I didn't know what was going to happen next, but, you know, somehow managed to figure it out. But do you, I mean, do you find America a welcoming country? Because I do. Um, I decided to become a citizen within nine months of coming to America. Mm. 
I find it an amazing country. I mean, what, what was your experience and exposure around making that commitment as well? Most definitely. I think there's a, a big advantage to landing in somewhere like New York City because it is very cosmopolitan. It really is a melting pot of many different cultures. And that really resonated with me, not just because I'm a foreigner, but because it makes for a very different and interesting place. Um, and that's very appealing to me. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I was certainly never short of somewhere to go or something to do. There's you know, plenty of people who've kind of come and gone over the years and we stay in touch. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And look, Kayla, I'm also astonished at your work ethic. You work incredibly hard. I know that because I tend to see emails coming from you from all sorts of times and days. That's but not a good thing though, Ajit. Don't encourage thing. it. Not a good thing. We need work-life <laughs> balance. But what drives you and what do you aspire to be and who makes you feel, wow, this is worth it? Obviously, present company excluded, but, you know. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for thinking that you know, I still have aspirations to be something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're young enough. <laughs> um, I, I aspire to retire. That's that's my latest thing. There you go. But I need to buy a lottery ticket for that, a winning one. You know, I've always been the type of person that I don't look to celebrities for inspiration. Um, yeah. For me, yeah. people who inspire me have an emotional connection. Um, yeah. And my mother is somebody that I look up to as being inspiring. Um, yeah. She is a self-professed feminist. She's the last of 12 children. She moved from Ireland to England uh, when she was a teenager so she could go to college and pursued a career from there. And she moved to England at a time when the Irish were not liked. She t often tells stories of seeing signs on hotel doors or stores or whatever saying no Irish, no blacks, no dogs, which Crazy. is – and that's amazing to me because it was so recent. Granted, my mum is 81, but that was the 50s. It's yeah. really not that long ago, which is incredible. So, And then she made her way from England to Australia on a world trip and stopped and married my dad. And <laughs> that ended the grand world tour. But she's an incredibly adventurous woman who still at her age goes on big trips every year. Pre-COVID, right. um, she was planning a trip to Morocco. She goes somewhere every year, whether it's South America, North America, Europe, Eastern Europe. Um, she's been to many places and is very frustrated that she can't do that right now. So definitely a person of inspiration, as are my siblings and dad, you know, for lots of different reasons. You make a really good point in that many, many folks today do look at celebrities in social media for their inspiration. And uh, one of the reasons that I'm inspired to do this podcast is that I think it's everyday folks and people that you, are around you that are inspiring. I get inspired every day by the people I work with, the clients that we engage with, and my family too who keep me grounded and, mm. you know, try to keep my psychotic nature uh, at bay, you know. <laughs> um, but it really is the people closest to you that I think can be the right people. And one of the reasons, yeah. back to what you said before, I love this country, is that there's a lot of great people here mm -hmm. that, that inspire me all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your mum's travelled a lot. Do you, you know, I know it's customary for Australian folks to travel a huge amount. Do you like travelling as well? Oh, gosh, yes. I think for many Australians, travel is just ingrained because... Australia is an island, it's a continent, it's a country, and it's in the middle of nowhere. It takes yeah. us a long time to go anywhere. So, you know, I often hear stories of Americans I've met along the way who say, whenever I go to Europe, I always meet Australians. I'm like, yeah, because it's a long way. And they will spend six or eight weeks traveling because they save up a lot of money and do it all in one hit. It's on my bucket list. I tell my wife that I'm saving all my frequent flyer miles, uh, one day when we have time and maybe when we're retired, I want to do Australia because it's not just the distance. Yes. 
It's an enormous country on its own, isn't it? It is. A lot of it is uninhabitable. Yeah. You know, much of the centre of uh, Australia, you just won't survive because there's nothing there. It's just desert. But there are some really incredible places to visit in Australia, um, on the coast and, and in the outback, up north, down south, and every places in between. Kayleigh, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. Um, Thank you for I the hope invitation. Else, no, I hope everybody else gets from you what I get, which is, I love understanding a bit more about folks and the background that you've come from, the musical skill sets that you've got, the professional artistry that you are. I'm surprised that you're here at TAG, but it's our blessing that you are. And it kind of goes to show that you know, TAG have the best folks in the world because of people like you. So thank you for being part of our company. Well, and thank you for creating an environment where people can be themselves. You know, we often talk about bringing our full authentic sure. selves to the office, and that's often hard to do in environments that are um, less accepting. We have a segment now, Kaylee, that if you would like to ask me any unscripted oh. questions, I'm happy to either feign that I can't answer them or I recall, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to happy to attempt to answer any questions you Ooh, may have for me. Oh, I love this. <laughs> cool. And there are no no-go areas. No no-go areas. No, 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 go, no, yeah, I get what you mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is something I've wondered about you and I, I don't know, just roll up your sleeves a little bit. Okay. And the other one? Oh, okay. So it's not, it's not there. Now. Okay. Yeah, no. But I have seen you wear before a red string around your wrist. Interesting. And I wonder what that is about. So if there are Indian folks on the call, you'll know. So there's something called Bai Beach. Well, I've probably said it wrong and I'll be slaughtered by my Indian friends. But it essentially is a day in the year when if you have a sister, she puts that on your wrist as a show of love and respect. And um, my sister sends it for the post because she's in the UK, and then I put it on. And when I was a young boy, she fooled me because she said to me that if I had it on long enough, it would turn to gold, <gasps> and I believed her. But I, I believe that she was misleading me. The principle is really it just shows that your sister is loving you and thinking about you and always has it on. So wow. yeah. that's beautiful. And why sister? Not, if you had a brother, that would not happen? No, no. It's mainly the sister's love for the brother and the brother acknowledging that that love exists. So it's quite a nice thing. And my sister always does try and sends it over. And if I happen to be there on the day that it happens, she'll, she'll put it on me. Wow. So, yeah, it's a nice special thing. I'm very proud of that. I'm very happy with my kind of upbringing, which was a very kind of inclusive environment too. That's beautiful. I'm going to have to read up more about it. <laughs> the fact that she's three years older than me and bullied me like hell is not, not relevant. <laughs> I'm sure she will refute that. <laughs> do, I, do I get a second question? You can have more. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay, well. cool. I thought it was like a one-hit wonder. Oh, no, no, wow, no. Wow, gosh. No. Um, well, I am very interested to know how you met your beautiful wife, who I've never met in person, but she did do a little video for us what, a year or so ago when you were doing videos during COVID for employees right. and it was the most viewed video. <laughs> and, you know, I found it the other day and I saw the photo and I thought, it is just so fantastic. And you were standing in the background in the photo and the look on your face is just so proud and so involved and I just, I loved it. It was hysterical because, as you know, I, I never watched any of my videos. I never recorded more than one. I gave her no prep and uh, dragged her into the room. And my daughter, because the COVID was working in the office upstairs, she said that she could hear it and she was laughing hysterically because she thought we were both very stupid. 
Um, but no, I'm very proud of the fact that this year will be 30 years that we've been married. Wow, uh, that's is, uh, amazing. Congratulations. Long, yeah, I know. I've, I've weathered it well, I think. Um, <laughs> you mean she has. Exactly. She says that all the time. <laughs> uh, but we actually ironically met at a wedding. And um, oh, wow. it was actually quite interesting that we were much younger and out of a large wedding, we kind of both homed in on each other uh, and it had been independently verified. So met at a wedding, which is a bit, you know, how it all works. But then we kind of got together about four or five years after that. So it took a while to kind of come together. So, yeah. I've actually heard that weddings are good places to meet people because <laughs> because everybody's in a, a great lovey-dovey type of mood. So makes Absolutely sense. True. Yeah, all the barriers are down. And you can tell from her accent that she comes from the Midlands, uh, uh, not from London where I come from. So she, she's very proud of that fact as well. But, yeah, no, she's awesome. a... An important part of my life behind any any great relationship is the other person. And I yeah. think that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, fantastic. Good to hear. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so my last point is to say thank you so much again. Uh, thank you for being part of TAG and enjoying this happy hour with me. And I just wanted to cheers you again with your favorite drink. Well, thank you very much. And by the way, how was it? Did I make it well? <laughs> you know I love a good tequila cocktail. <laughs> The only thing you drink. <laughs> yes, I like the ones that don't come with a hangover. They're my favourite. <laughs> Cheers and good luck. Thank you very much. Join us soon for another episode of Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at Tag. Yeah.